You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. It communicated a common sentiment in marriage. The other day I saw an advertisement for custom embroidered Christmas sweaters. Custom embroidered Christmas sweaters. And this advertisement was for custom embroidered Christmas sweaters for married couples. And they had an example. And the example was a man and a woman embroidered on the sweater. And beside it, it had these words. Annoying each other since 2016 and still going strong. A common sentiment in marriage, and I would say that's a low bar for marriage, wouldn't you? God has a much higher bar. God has a much greater vision for our marriages. And it's found right here in the book of Ephesians. So continuing our study line by line, verse by verse, we've made it to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read verse 33. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. When you found your place there, I want to ask you this morning, if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Ephesians 5, verse 33. So good to hear Travis sing, dear friend, his wife Nikki's with him, and they're four children and one on the way, so uh, they, they've passed Claire and I with, uh, with uh, kids, but uh, so grateful to have them in town with us today and hearing uh, Travis uh, sing. What a blessing. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, notice the word there, however, he's summing up what he's previously said. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray together this morning. Father in heaven, we recognize our need for you in this moment. We believe that all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. So Lord, would you just meet with us, open the eyes of our hearts, help us to see the truths of Scripture. Lord, I pray that this passage, this sermon, this teaching would shine light, pure light on our marriages. And Lord, would you even use this sermon today as a healing balm for marriages. And we'll thank you and praise you for that grace. It's all in the name and for the sake of Jesus. 
Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. As you've heard me say many times, the first half of the book of Ephesians is an explanation of our wealth in Christ, all of the spiritual blessings that are ours when we come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. The second half of the book of Ephesians is about our walk with Christ, how we ought to live in light of all that He has done for us. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul spends a good amount of time talking about our lifestyle. And he wants us to understand that our lifestyle should be congruent with our position in Christ. He says earlier in chapter 5, Now that you are children of light, walk as children of light. Live like it. If you call yourself a Christian, then the watching world ought to see the difference that Jesus Christ makes. And then, we all amen that, right? That our lives should look like Jesus, our light should shine, amen, until he starts getting specific. And starts dealing with some specific areas that we need to address so that that area in our life looks like Jesus. And he deals, in the last part of chapter 5, with the issue, the institution of marriage. We begin looking at this passage last week, and we talked about the purposes of marriage. Last week we said the purpose of marriage is to reflect the gospel, to picture the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the purpose of marriage is delight. It's a gift from God. But this morning, I want to look at that last verse, verse 33, and talk about the practice of marriage. Uh, How we ought to go about living as husbands and wives. I want to be very practical in this sermon and hopefully helpful uh, to our marriages. But I want you to notice again how verse 33 begins. However, however, in light of all that he said about marriage picturing the gospel, about marriage being a gift from God, in light of all that he said, he wants to give us a summary statement, one verse, one sentence, to help us to understand how to live this out, how to practice godly marriage. You might even say that verse 33 is the key to a healthy, happy, holy marriage. There's so much in this one verse, so, much, so many practical realities for us to grab hold of. So what I want to do is, I want to walk you through five principles for practicing marriage. Five principles for practicing marriage. Say, wait, how are you going to get five principles out of that one verse? Well, we'll get there, but let's, let's walk through these five principles for the practice of marriage. Principle number one. Women have been designed by God with a primary need for love. Women have been designed by God with a primary need for love. Now, we're going to talk about love and respect today. And the fact that women have been designed by God to primarily uh, need love does not mean they don't need respect. They need respect too, but, but he's primarily designed women to need love. Because look what he says there in verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. The reason he tells husbands to love their wives as a primary focus is because God has designed women to have a primary need for love. Now, when a husband loves his wife, a couple things happen. 
First of all, wives feel secure in their husband's love. They, they should feel secure in their husband's love. Look what it says back in verse 28. When he's talking about husbands loving their wives like Christ loves the church, he says, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it. Notice that word, nourishes it. In other words, if husbands are going to love their wives like Jesus loves us, we need to nourish our wives because part of Jesus' relationship with us is he he nourishes us. He takes care of us. He helps us to grow and to change and be transformed. He watches over us. Jesus is a nourishing Savior. And if Jesus nourishes us as his followers, then husbands following the lead of Jesus should love in a way that their wife is nourished. Wives should feel secure in their husband's love. Wives should know that their husband has them as a primary focus and reality, that they are taking care of their needs and watching over their lives. They should feel secure in their husband's love. And secondly, wives should feel cherished by their husband's love. Notice what he says there in verse 29. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. So he's falling through this metaphor. How does Jesus love us? He nourishes us. He takes care of us. But, but, but get this. Jesus cherishes us. He really does love us. And not only does this, not only does Jesus love us, he likes us. We are his followers. He has a relationship with us. He cherishes us as his followers. So... If husbands are going to love their wives like Christ loves us, that means that we will cherish our spouses. Wives should feel cherished by their husband's love. Over in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, another powerful passage about marriage. The Bible says that, that husbands should grant their wives, fellow, uh, grant their wives uh, honor as fellow heirs of the grace of life. Honor. And when I teach that passage, I teach that that means husbands should put their wives up on a pedestal, that their wives should feel special, their wives should feel loved, their wives should feel liked. That's what it means to love, like Jesus. God has wired women primarily with this need to be loved, this need to be cherished. And husbands are called to, to put their wives on a pedestal. Through the years, I've seen men demean their wives. I've seen men joke about their wives in a demeaning way. And when that happens, wives do not feel cherished. And when they don't feel cherished, they don't feel loved. And they are wired, wired by God, designed by God primarily to be energized, to be cared for by the love of their husband. So women have been designed by God with their primary need for love. Principle number two. Men have been designed by God with a primary need for respect. That doesn't mean that men don't need love. They need love, of course. We're to love one another. 
But primarily, God has wired men to be motivated by, to be driven by, to be satisfied by, to be fulfilled in respect. It says there in verse 33, Let each one of you love his wife as himself. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. Why would God make this a primary focus for the wife? Because God's wired the husband to need it. To need that respect. We said last week that God has called the husband to be the primary spiritual leader of the family. He has that responsibility. And here's the deal. At any level of leadership... It's difficult to lead when one feels disrespected, right? It's hard to be a leader when you feel like you are not respected by your spouse. And here's what happens. A disrespected husband will either react harshly, they'll be angry and they'll lash out, and it'll be a harsh reaction which fractures the the closeness of the marriage, Or, and this is probably more common, when a husband feels disrespected, he will simply withdraw. He'll withdraw. And not engage in his marriage, not engage in the family, just, I feel disrespected. I'm just going to, I give up. I I can't do this. Not for me. The expectations are too high. No one one respects me anyway. And, And men will often withdraw. And become silent. You see, leadership is daunting. And let me let you in on a secret, ladies. Men often feel, or maybe mostly feel, unequal to the task. Can I tell you that? Men mostly feel unequal to the task. I'm called to lead, I'm called to love my wife like Christ loves the church and lead my family and be a spiritual leader and be like Jesus and take care of the needs and watch out. It's just too much. There's a lot to it. I'm not good at it. And if men are honest, most men feel that way. They struggle with a feeling of inadequacy. So when they're struggling with that and the wife is disrespectful, What happens? The husband gets harsh or the husband withdraws. Which leads to principle number three. When a husband or a wife is not getting their primary need met, love or respect, here's what happens. They tend to withhold from their spouse what they need most. I learned this principle from a book called Love and Respect by Emerson Egrich. one of my favorite books on marriage because it's all based upon Ephesians 5 verse 33. And when I I read this principle, a light came on. I thought, that's exactly right. In fact, Emerson Egrich calls this the crazy cycle. And here's what he means by the crazy cycle. Without love, she, the wife, reacts... Without respect. She doesn't feel loved, so what's her natural inclination? I don't feel loved. I'm going to withhold my respect. And then what happens? Without respect, he reacts without what? Love. The husband doesn't feel respected, so you know what? You don't respect. I'm going to withhold my love. And he calls this the crazy cycle. Because each spouse is not getting that which they need. They're wired to desire. And when they're not getting what they need, their natural tendency will be to withhold from their spouse what they need. 
And so instead of the husband and wife living in fulfillment and love and nurture and cherishing one another, there's this withholding. And that's what Dr. Egricks calls the crazy cycle. And when I read this, and I could put a, a title to, to what it was, it made so much sense. And I even began to see it in, in my own marriage. I could tell times we were getting on the crazy cycle, and it all came back to love and respect. In fact, I read this book, uh, and uh, shortly after I read the book, Claire and I, I was thinking about these principles, Claire and I were in the vehicle. We'd had our uh, first uh, son, Cameron, and... Uh, when Cameron was born, you know, we went all out. We got this beautiful bedding. It was a Noah's Ark theme, and there was a mobile in the crib and matching blankets and padding in the crib, and we painted the walls with animals two by two, and it was just beautiful. And, and uh, we, we went all out for this Noah's Ark theme. And, and, and then we were expecting our second son, Caleb, and uh, one day we were driving along in, in the car, and uh, Claire said, we need to get some new bedding for Caleb. And I said, wait a minute. I said, we have boy bedding. It's Noah's Ark theme. It's just like we want. It, it'll look great in, in Caleb's room. He'll be our new baby. He gets to experience Noah's Ark too. And Claire said, well, I think that the new baby needs his own bedding. And all of a sudden, I begin to feel a little disrespected. Because I'm the one watching over the finances, right? I'm the one like, you know, hey, we got to watch things. It's, things are tight. And, and I was being a good steward of our money. We don't need to buy new bedding. We have bedding, right? Claire didn't feel loved because she wanted to just shower love on the new baby. And she felt like I didn't understand that and her, her motherly instinct. So we're going down the road. And, and just, just that quick, we're on the crazy cycle. I didn't feel respected she didn't feel loved, and we're fighting, or we're having a spirited conversation, right? I mean, and something about, you know, when a, a pastor and his wife, when they fuss and fight, they fight, fuss and fight biblically. You know, it's like, you're not respecting me. Well, you don't love me like Jesus. And, you know, so we're, so, so we're having this conversation, and, and the end of the story is Claire was exactly right. And, and my mother stepped in, and she was a great seamstress, and she, she made this brand-new, beautiful boy baby bedding for Caleb. He's so sweet. And, and, uh, and, uh, and, and it, was, it was solved. It was solved. And that's a small, kind of silly example. But I share that example just to share with you. That's how quick it can happen. Over something that's not a huge deal, but the, the issue was, I didn't feel respected, she didn't feel loved. And so when I didn't feel respected, guess what? I withheld my love. When she didn't feel loved, guess what? She withheld respect. That's called the crazy cycle. And I'm telling you, just keep those principles in mind and just kind of watch this week. And watch, husbands and wives, how quickly this can happen. And it's going to happen because, can I, just, can I just say at this moment, there are no perfect marriages in this room? Can I get an amen on that? So it's going to happen. But identifying it is half the battle. When a husband or wife's not getting their primary need met, they tend to withhold from their spouse, spouse what they need most, which leads to the fourth principle. What do you do? You're on the crazy cycle. What do you do? 
The only way to break unhealthy cycles is through unconditional love and respect. The only way to break unhealthy cycles is through unconditional love and respect. That's how you get off the crazy cycle and enjoy a healthy, happy, holy marriage. Just a reminder of what we studied last week, and it's in your notes. Husbands are called to love unconditionally. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. How many of you understand that Jesus loves us and we don't deserve it? Right? We don't deserve it. It's unconditional love. We don't deserve it. So if husbands are going to love their wives like Christ loves the church, it means we love them even when we think they don't deserve it. We love them unconditionally. We love them sacrificially. We love them radically in a Christ-like way. That's what husbands are called to do. So husbands are called to love unconditionally. And here's what happens. The wife begins to get love and experience and feel love. And that fills her tank. It fills her tank. So let's talk practically for a minute. How does this happen? How, do, how can a husband, practically speaking, love his wife unconditionally? What does that look like on a Monday or Tuesday or Friday or Saturday or Sunday afternoon? What, what does that look like to love unconditionally? Let me give you some practical ideas, all right? This is not an exhaustive list. These are just some, some helpful things to think about. One thing I've learned is that um, for a wife to feel loved... She wants quality time with her spouse. Quality time with her spouse. In other words, just sitting beside your spouse watching TV, in her mind, is not quality time. Claire likes eyeball-to-eyeball time, where we are actually engaging in conversation. She, she likes quality time. And when I spend quality time with her, she is feeling loved. It is filling her love tank, which leads to the second practical idea. Be a good listener, husbands. I, I have to work at this. I am not in and of myself naturally inclined to be an active, engaged listener. Most men aren't. But be a good listener. When you listen to your spouse it blesses them. It makes them feel loved. Another practical idea, expressions of love and romance. Husbands need to continue to love their wives in practical ways. You know, things like dates and romantic gestures and, 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 and romantic things. These are important for the wife to continue to feel loved. Love and romance. Steadfast commitment and loyalty. Let me, let me tell you what this means, practically speaking. I was, um, when I was in seminary, Claire and I uh, were invited over to uh, another couple's house. We were young without kids. They were young without kids. And we were invited to their house to watch uh, a football game. And it, Saturday afternoon, so we went over to their house. They were grilling hamburgers. We were watching the football game. And this, this guy, who, whose house we were in, he was watching TV, and any time an attractive woman would come on the screen, he said, oh, man, look at her. Woo, woo, wow. And made a big deal any time there was an attractive woman on the screen. And Claire and I talked about that later. I thought, I wonder how that makes his wife feel. He's going on and on about these other women. Surely, surely, whether she laughs at it or not, surely that hurts her somewhere down deep. 
and does not communicate an unswerving commitment and loyalty to the wife. And so the Bible says be a one-woman man. Keep your eyes on her. Keep your thoughts on her. Let her know she is number one in your life. Be faithful and true. And that communicates love to your spouse. Unconditional love. I read an interesting story about Cyrus, the king of Persia. This story is actually found in some Greek literature. And it was common in that day for lots of political intrigue to be happening in a king's court. And someone told the king that one of his general's wives had committed treason and was, uh, was undermining the work of the king. And so this woman, the general's wife, was sentenced to death. When the general, her husband, heard this story, he went immediately to King Cyrus with his wife. He fell down before the king. and He said, please, king, please, do not... Take my wife's life. In fact, would you kill me in her place? Let me die for her. Cyrus, who by historical accounts had some some nobility in him, was moved by this display of unconditional love. And here's what he said. Love like that must not be spoiled by death. And he allowed them to leave and pardoned the wife. When the husband and wife were walking out of the court, the husband said, Did you see, did you see how kindly the king looked at us when he offered the pardon? And here's what the wife said. I had no eyes for the king. I saw only the man who was willing to die in my place. That's the effect that unconditional love has in the heart of the wife. Husbands are called to love unconditionally. Wives are called to respect unconditionally. He says it back in verse 33. Let each one of you love his wife as himself. Let the wife see that she respects her husband We talked about this last week, that that the respect here, the submission, is a a recognition and encouragement and support of the husband's leadership in the home. And this means that wives should respect their husbands. Now, just a quick word here. I believe that husbands should seek to be worthy of their wives' respect. We talk about the Proverbs 31 woman. Every man's like, I want a Proverbs 31 woman, right? Listen to what it says about the husband in Proverbs 31, verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. In other words, the husband lives in a respectful way. He's worthy of the wife's respect. But here's the deal. Look at me. Husbands, blow it. We don't always live in a way that is worthy of respect. We have our good moments and our bad moments, our good days and our bad days. So the question becomes, when the husband's not acting worthy of respect, what should the wife do? She should respect unconditionally. 
And this is a principle found over in 1 Peter chapter 3. Listen to what the Bible says in verses 1 and 2. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Now here's the deal, and I'm going to say this, I don't mean to be offensive, but we, I think we all know this to be true. For the most part, when a wife doesn't like how her husband acts, she tries to change him by her words. That's probably generally true. Like, I don't like how you're acting, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to act like this, act like that, and, and tries to change through her words. Which leads to the husband saying, my wife is what? Nagging me, right? That's a very common thing. Wives trying to change their husbands through words. Husbands feel like they're being nagged by their wives. A very common thing. But the Bible says, here's how a wife changes her husband if he's not acting like he ought to act. It says, without a word, not through words, but through respect. Unconditional respect. As, as the husband sees her respectful and pure conduct. In other words, as a husband witnesses over time his wife loving Jesus, being changed to be more like Jesus, serving Jesus, and tenderly reacting to her husband, something begins to happen on the inside. Something begins to change in him. He's changed by her respect, by watching her conduct, by watching her pursue Christ. So wives are called to respect their husbands. Remember, God's wired men primarily to need respect. And wives are called to exercise that in the context of marriage. Now, let me give you some practical ideas. Again, how does this happen practically? First, edifying words. Most men, most men enjoy words of affirmation. I'm a words of affirmation guy. Like, I feel loved when you tell me how great I am. Okay? So, I want Claire telling me how great I am, how wonderful I am, how much she loves me, how you know. I, I love that stuff. I'm just, I'm, my tank is filled with words of affirmation. So, even when a wife doesn't feel loved, when she's, when she's speaking the unconditionally, these words of affirmation, something begins to happen in the husband's heart. Words of affirmation, edifying words. Secondly, no ridicule. Again, husbands are already a bit insecure and feel inadequate about leadership. So when they are ridiculed by their spouse, they feel even more inept. No ridicule. Next. This is a big deal. Let your husband be a problem solver. How many wives, you've gone to your husband with an issue, right? And you share with him the issue, and the husband goes into problem-solving mode, right? And you say, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen, right? Anybody ever said that before? Is it just, Claire and I are the only ones that need marriage uh, encouragement this morning, I guess. No one else does in here. Uh, how many of you have ever done that before? I don't need you to fix it. I just want you to listen, right? Well, guess what? Part of leadership is fixing stuff. And, and there's, this, there's this kind of built-in thing in men to want to fix stuff. So let them help. Let them speak into that and, and maybe take their advice or leadership in that area. Practice shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder time. 
Again, most wives like the quality eyeball-to-eyeball time, but men, interestingly enough, feel loved and respected when their wife would just spend time with them doing something like watching a football game. I read a story, it's actually in the Love and Respect book, about a, a man who was a big hunter. And his wife wanted to support him in that, so she said, I want to go hunting with you one day. So she said they got up early in the morning, they put all these layers of clothing on, it was really cold outside, kind of miserable, and they went to a, a tree stand before daylight, they sat in the tree stand for hours without talking, they didn't see anything, and when they were leaving the tree stand, the husband said, that was awesome. Why? He felt respected that his wife wanted to hang out with him and something that he enjoyed and saw as valuable. And this course, romance. Husbands should pursue wives romantically. Wives should pursue husbands romantically. Hey, let me give you a principle that I learned years and years ago, and I, and I think, it's, I think it's, it, it holds true. Before marriage, God will do every. I mean, not God. Before marriage, Satan will do everything he can to bring two people together intimately before marriage. After marriage, Satan will do everything he can to keep two people away from each other in intimacy. We need to make sure as husbands and wives that we are pursuing romance with one another. Unconditional respect. Evie Hill was a great pastor and preacher in Los Angeles, one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard. And maybe his most famous sermon was a eulogy he, he preached at his wife's funeral. In 1987, I can't imagine, Evie Hill got up and shared the eulogy for his deceased wife. Her name was Jane Edna. And Evie Hill told a story about how Jane had shown him respect throughout the marriage, unconditional respect. He told the story in that sermon about an early business venture in their marriage. In their, in their first, first year of their marriage, he had gone in with someone and bought a, a service station. And it failed miserably. He lost lots of money. It put him and his wife, newlyweds, in a financial bind. I mean, things were bad. And he came home one night, and he walked in the door, and the apartment was lit up by candles. Candles and candles on the dining room table. She had this meal. They were going to eat by candlelight. And he thought, whoa. She said, it's been six months since we've been married, so we're going to celebrate six months by candlelight. He's thinking, boy, this is great. And he walked in the bathroom to wash his hands and he went to flip on the light and he noticed the light didn't come on. The issue was his wife didn't have enough money to pay the power bill. And so she didn't want to weigh him down with that that night. So she just lit a bunch of candles and they had a candlelight meal. Now listen to what Evie Hill said about that moment. She could have said... I've never been in this shape before. She came from a wealthy family. Her dad took good care of her. And she could have said, I've never been in this shape before. She could have broken my spirit. She could have ruined me, he said. 
She could have demoralized me, but she said, let's eat by candles. We'll turn the lights on another day. Somehow or another, we're going to get through this. But for tonight, let's eat by candles. And he was so moved by the way that in one of his failures, she respected him and honored him and did not crush him with criticism and ridicule. There's something to this. That's why God says in verse 33, this key that unlocks the door to healthy marriages, let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now let me just say this very quickly, and we're going to be through in just a moment. Unconditional behavior is not natural. That's why we get into the crazy cycle. When you don't, when you don't respect me, my natural inclination is I'm not going to love you. And when the wife says, you're not going to love me, I'm not going to respect you. That's natural. That's how natural people respond. Unconditional love and respect, listen, is supernatural. It's of God. It's God's work in your life. So if you look there in your notes. So ask the Lord for help. Remember the context of Ephesians 5 is the spirit-filled life. We need the Holy Spirit of God to fill us and control us so we can live this kind of unconditional love and respect out in our marriages. Listen to me. You can't do it yourself. You need God's help. Through the years, I've counseled a lot of couples. I'm not a marriage expert by any means, but the Word of God is truth with no mixture of error. And so you can apply the truth of the Word of God to, to, to any situation. And, and I can always tell how it's going to go when I'm sitting before a couple and I begin to talk about Jesus. I begin to talk about their relationship with God and Him helping them through this time. If I see their eyes glaze over, preacher, we didn't come here for all that. Give us some communication techniques. Give us some conflict resolution tools. You know, give me, give me the tools. And tools are good. Tools are important. But listen to me. You can't do it without Jesus. You can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit filling up your life. It's not natural to be unconditional in your love and respect. It's supernatural. Let the Spirit have His way. Amen? The Spirit have His way. Which leads to the fifth and final principle. Unconditional behavior can start with one person. Women have been designed by God with a primary need for love. Men have been designed by God with a primary need for respect. When a husband or wife is not getting their primary need met, they tend to withhold from their spouse what they need most. The only way to break unhealthy cycles is through unconditional love and respect. So here's the question, who goes first? In his book, Love and Respect, Emerson Egricks answers that question. Here's his, question. Here's his answer. Who goes first? The most mature. <laughs> That's what he said. He's got a point. The person that's pursuing Jesus, filled with the Spirit, walking in the Word, they're going to be the one to say, you know what? I'm going to be unconditional in this moment. We're on the crazy cycle. I don't feel like being unconditional. But I'm going to be unconditional in this 
moment. And this unconditional behavior can start with one person. I want to I address this. What happens when one person in the marriage is working at it and the other one's not? One person's really trying to implement these principles and pursuing Christ, and, but the other one's just not. How should one proceed? I came across this quote from Tim Keller where he addresses this very issue in his book, The Meaning of Marriage. Keller writes, Let's say you're the only one who decides my selfishness is the thing I'm going to work on. What will happen? Usually, listen, there is not much immediate response from the other side. But often, over time, your attitude and behavior will begin to soften your partner. He or she can see the pains you are taking. And it will be easier for you, your spouse to admit his or her faults because you are no longer always talking about them yourself. So if both of you decide to work on your selfishness and minister to the other, the prospects for your marriage are great. But listen, even if only one of you does it, your prospects are still good. God can use your Christ-like behavior and He can work miracles in even the most desperate of situations. I've seen Him do it many times. As I've ministered to marriages in the life of my churches and ministry. So, unconditional behavior can start with one person. Take the first step. See what God does. Place it in God's hands. And hopefully both are, are being unconditional but someone's got to make the first move. And you'd be surprised how quickly, listen, how quickly the crazy cycle will stop when you begin to live this out. So here's the takeaway, and we'll be through. Our marriages will be healthier, happier, and holier when spouses extend unconditional love and respect. I believe verse 33 is the key that unlocks this kind of marriage. But look at me real quick. Everybody look at me real quick. I know that was the last blank and you're packing up, but look at me real quick. Implied in this text, don't miss this, is that the husband and wife want to be like Jesus. Implied in this text is that the husband and wife have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's why over in 2 Corinthians 6, the Bible says, Don't be unequally yoked, a believer with a non-believer. Because if one person is not trying to be like Jesus, while the other one is, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult, challenging. But when two people, listen to me, love Jesus... Want to be more like Jesus and let the Spirit of God do that in their lives. You can't believe the difference it makes in a marriage. So, so listen, we're talking about marriage. Yes, yes, yes. But, but really, even more important than that, we're talking about your personal relationship with Christ.
Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.